Welcome to First Baptist Belton. By God's grace, we aim to be a gospel-centered people that know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the following message. I hope everybody is doing well. So last week, if you remember right, I gave you some homework. Y'all remember that? And no, your dog didn't need it. Because I didn't give it to you in paper. I gave it to you verbally. And the homework was, we talked about prayer and the idea of prayer. And, and all of y'all lied to me and said that you don't struggle with prayer. <laughs> which I've been praying for you all week in my 10 minutes of prayer. If you're with me. Um, so last week I, I challenged you. I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell you every day, I want you just to carve out 10 minutes, 10 minutes of prayer. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to look to your neighbor to the right of you, and I want you to say or tell them how it went for you. Okay, so two seconds. I want you to tell them how did it go for you, 10 minutes of prayer each day. How'd it go? All right, all right. Now, how many of you looked at your neighbor to the right of you and said, man, I, either I wasn't here, or that's your excuse, or man, I didn't do it? Anybody brave enough to admit it? A few of you? All right, well, here's the deal. So next week, so this is going to be a continuation thing, okay? So I'm not letting you off the hook. Each week, I want you just to spend 10 minutes in prayer. I know that doesn't seem like a lot for some of you. Others of you, it feels like an eternity. By the way, it's amazing how long 10 minutes can go in silence. So I want to challenge you to keep doing that, okay? Now, as we turn our, uh, our attention to a new topic, I want to share a little bit about an article that I read not long ago. So Forbes magazine uh, put out this, this article, and uh, this, this author um, reached out to over 700 of her subscribers of Forbes magazine. And here's the question that she asked. It's a really interesting question. She said... How many of you would say, or rather, let me back up, if you could put it in one word, what is the more that you wish you could have? The one thing in one word that you wish you could have more than anything else. You want more of this. What would it be? And she said, here were the top eight uh, results of this article. Number one. The people in, that responded to the magazine question, this, this particular question, number one was happiness. I want more happiness. Number two, I want more money. Number three, I want more freedom. Number four, I want more peace. Number five, I want more joy. Number six, I want more balance. Number seven, I want more fulfillment. Number eight, I want more confidence. So those are the top eight results of of, of the people who responded to this question, they want more of something. And what she realized as she was, was, was writing, on the, writing up this article is that everybody wants more of something. We all, we're longing for more of something. And, and quite frankly, I think that's true. I think all of us, if we were honest, and, and, and I think this is a good place to be honest, right? There, there's something that we want more of, whether it's more happiness, or more money, or more success, or more freedom, or more peace, or, or more balance, which I, I still have yet to figure out what that even means. But we want more of something. 
As a matter of fact, we were designed in such a way to long and to hunger for something more. Uh, If you go all the way back to creation, God creates an Adam and Eve, and he puts within them this desire to walk with him, right? There's this hunger, there's this desire to walk with God, and then Satan shows up. And what does Satan do? He reveals that there's something more, right? He says, well, well, did God actually say that you shouldn't eat of the tree, you know, eat the fruit of that tree? And Eve was like, well, you know, I mean, yeah, he said not to eat of that. And Satan said, well, it's because if you do, you will become like God. So what happens right there in that moment is Satan tempts her with this idea that there's something more out there, more outside of God, that she can, in fact, even become like God. So really, it has very little to do with an apple and far more to do with our desire and our hunger for more. And so after the fall, we're left with this kind of never-stopping, never-quenching desire to get back to that satisfied place there in the garden. And on this side of heaven, you and I and the world alike, humanity, we all share this desire, this, this deep need for something more, and so we fill it with all kinds of things, don't we? with success, with family. We, sat at, we, we fulfill it with money, with vacations, all of these things to satisfy this hunger for more. But you know what happens? And you know it. You know this is true. We're left empty. And so we choose another thing, and we choose another thing, but the reality is, is that the more things that I choose, the emptier that I am. And we realize that this is a pursuit that cannot be satisfied. It can't be fulfilled. And so, here's the point. The point this morning is that if you want more, I think we all do, we must find it in God. We must find it in God. For the place where your satisfaction ends, the journey, where that journey ends is not in uh, that, that pot at the end of the rainbow. It's not in work, it's not in family, but it's in God. And so if you want peace, you find peace in God. If you want balance, you find it in God. If you want happiness, you're going to have to find it in God. Because outside of Him, it is an endless race. And so that's what we're talking about this morning. This morning, what we are going to focus our attention on is this idea of how do I, how do I find my heart that more? How do I become satisfied how do, how do I satisfy the hunger of my longing heart? So if you have a Bible, I hope you do. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is going to answer that question in an unfamiliar way. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to be in verses 16 through 18 this morning. This is the word of the Lord. Verse 16, read along with me here. And when you fast... Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. But truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now many of you might be thinking, wait a minute, you told me how we were going to satisfy my hunger not rob me of my hunger. But I want you to hear me. 
God's vehicle to satisfy your hunger is through the spiritual discipline of fasting. Of fasting. Fasting truly is God's vehicle to satisfy your hunger for more. So you might be asking, okay, well, well Logan, when we, we talk about fasting, what, what are we talking about here? What, what does it even mean? Well, here's a basic definition, okay? A basic definition, I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. A basic definition for fasting is simply this. It is to replace something you love with a greater love. Fasting is to replace something that you love with a greater love. In this case, it is the temporal self-denial of something that we desire more than God. And so I want you to think this morning, what is the thing, what, it, what might be that one thing? Maybe you have a couple of things, but I want you to focus on one thing. What is the one thing that you could honestly say that you love more than God? Fasting is the temporal self-denial of that thing in order to create space for more of God. That's fasting. Now, here's the deal. Jesus is speaking in the context of food, but I want you to hear this. Fasting can be anything, right? It's anything. It's anything that you desire more than God. Now, I'm not talking about fasting from sugar. I'm not talking about fasting from Skittles. Not talking about fasting from social media or fasting from your iPhone, although all of those things are good, and those might be the things that you end up fasting from. But what I'm truly talking about here are what is called the idols of your heart. It's the idols of your heart that you and I need to fast from. And so let me put it this way. The idols of your heart are the things that you would say something like this. Something like, my life only has meaning, my life only has value if I have this. So whether that be approval, whether that be comfort and security, whether that be control or power, what are those things that, that, that have gripped your heart in such a way that you find yourself receiving more comfort, more approval, more power, or more security than you would in Christ. That's what we're talking about. So when we're talking about fasting, we're not talking about just simply social media or simply sugar or simply these things. We're talking about the things that have gripped your heart. If you desire approval, right? if, you, if you long for approval, well, that might lead you then to fast from social media and from the likes that you may receive on social media. It may mean that you need to fast from a period of overspending, believing that this dress or this suit or this shirt or this tie or whatever it may be that you're wearing, that you're purchasing that for somebody's approval. Maybe at work, you need to rest in Christ's approval of you and not of your boss's. If it's comfort, it may be that you need to fast from the news this week. You hear me? By the way, I don't know how you receive any sort of comfort from the news because it's a mess. Every time I leave, I'm, I'm more discouraged, more anxious, and more fearful, right? But many of us will run to the news or we'll run to the TV and, and, and think that that's somehow going to bring us some sort of comfort, but then we walk away frustrated and anxious, right? There's a myriad of different things that you and I, our hearts, long for. And so what is that one thing? What, is that, what are the, those couple things 
that you can honestly say, I just love this more than I love Christ. And then that is what you fast from. Now, get this. Just like the two passages before him, or before this one, Jesus begins verse 16 by saying this phrase, and when you fast. I know. And when you fast, just like generosity, just like prayer, Jesus sets this standard that there's an expectation that you and I, as his followers, would fast. I know. Crazy. You might be like me, and you're thinking, surely there's another way. So there's got to be another way to get more of God. But the reality is, is that fasting is truly the vehicle for us to find our satisfaction in God. He says, and when you fast, he sets the standard. There's an expectation that you and I would fast. Now, it's helpful to note that the audience that Jesus is talking to here is a Jewish audience, right? You've got Pharisees in this group. You've got Jewish folks in this group. And, and for them, fasting was a normal part of their regular routine. As a matter of fact, if you were a Pharisee, you would fast on Mondays and Wednesdays. Can you imagine that? Fast on Mondays and Wednesdays? On top of that, they would fast on their given holidays. And so what Jesus is doing is that he's speaking into a culture that is, is used to fasting, but then he's transforming how they fast. Okay? Now, in our culture, Jesus is speaking to us this morning where fasting is probably seen more as a taboo. I don't know about you, but fasting is not uh, high on my priority list when it comes to the spiritual disciplines. We don't talk about it. We don't think about it. And yet here, it is the vehicle for the thing that we are longing for the most. It provides us the satisfaction in Christ. So, I think if I were to give out a, this is kind of interesting, I, I think I'm going to do this, by the way, as I was thinking about it, I thought, man, this is going to be a great idea. So I think what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to send out a church-wide survey. And in the survey, here's what we're going to do, right? The question is, is how are you doing in your walk with Christ? How are you doing in these spiritual disciplines? I think if I did that, I think many of us would go, okay, cool, Bible, check, we talk about that, I need to be in the Bible, got, check, okay, got that. Um, prayer, we've been talking about that, Logan challenged me with 10 minutes a day, okay, cool, check that, giving, I know I'm supposed to do that, working on it, okay, fasting, I, I don't know that the results would be really good. Because again, it's something that we don't talk about. It's something that we don't think about. And oftentimes it, we, we don't do it. And yet, here's what Jesus does. And this is where it gets kind of tough. Jesus ties our fasting with our worship. He makes a direct correlation both with our fasting and our worship. As a matter of fact, over the last couple of weeks, Jesus highlights three particular areas of your walk with him that he ties those back to worship. The first one was generosity. He ties your generosity back to genuine worship. Remember, we're talking about being genuine in the way that we worship. He talks about the way you give uh, reveals uh, the true nature of your worship, right? If you're hoarding all your money for yourself, you're probably worshiping yourself, not worshiping God. The second one was prayer. The second way that, you know, you're the genuine worshiper is by the way you pray. If you don't have much of a prayer life, you may go back and ask the question, Am I worshiping? Am I worshiping rightly? The third one now is fasting. Jesus says, uh, if you want to know if you're a genuine worshiper, then engage in the discipline of fasting. I think there's at least three ways, or three reasons why. You know, anybody can pray. You can pray, I can pray. Anybody on the street corner can pray. If you're diagnosed with a terrible illness, I guarantee you, whether you're a believer or not, you're praying to something or to someone, 
Anyone can pray, but true prayer, true prayer is ridding us of self-control and power. Anyone can give. That's how nonprofits survive, is by your generous giving. Anyone can give, but true giving tied to your worship is ridding us of our self-investment. Anyone can fast, right? But true fasting is ridding us of our self-gratification. You may notice a trend there. The trend is, is that doing these three things rid us of ourselves. They align our hearts, they align our minds with God, with His will and His heart for the world. I think that's the reason why Jesus highlights these three things. He, he wants us to put our eyes, or take our eyes away from ourselves and put them on Him. And so the expectation is that we would fast, and Jesus tells us that it's a part of our worship, but the question is, is so why? Why is fasting the vehicle by which you and I, our hunger, is satisfied? I think there's three reasons. The first one begins with the question of why do we do anything? You ever thought about that? Why do you get up and go to work? Why do you eat? Why do you do anything? Well, the reason is, is because you're, you're looking to satisfy a perceived need. That's why you do those things, right? Uh, there's, I, I perceive a need when my, my stomach growls. I'm perceiving that my stomach is hungry, that my body needs food. And so what do I do? I go eat. There's a perceived need that my wife and my two kiddos need shelter, clothing, and food. So what do I do? I go to work. The reason why you do anything is to satisfy a perceived need. In the same way, the reason why you and I fast the reason why there's an expectation that we fast is because it is to satisfy a perceived need. As Christians, what we need most is Jesus. As unchristians, what we need most is Jesus. He is the perceived need. And so therefore, we fast in order to be satisfied in Him. In Him. So the question that you've got to think through and you've got to ask is, are you hungry for Him? Do you long for him? I love what St. Augustine, he famously said that our hearts are restless until they find rest in thee. Our hearts will be hungry until we find our satisfaction in him. Jesus said, sheds light on this in Matthew chapter 9, verse 14. Some of John the Baptist's disciples come up to him. They ask him a great question. They, they say, hey, Jesus, uh, I, I'm noticing something here. I fast, Pharisees fast, but your disciples, they don't fast. Why is that? And Jesus, you know, like usual, answers the question in a parable, and here's what he says. He says, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then, then they will fast. When Jesus is saying here that when he is gone, his disciples will fast, it's because they will hunger for his presence. What Jesus is doing, he's forecasting the day that he goes to be with the Father, and his presence will no longer be here. And so because of that, his disciples will hunger for more of him. They will desire to have him. He will no longer be there, so they'll hunger for him. One author said they will be homesick for Christ. Homesick for Christ. It reminds me of our year-long engagement period, Jordan and I's year-long engagement period, which was a terrible decision, by the way. A year is incredibly too long 
Um, she's, you know, in Lubbock trying to finish up school, finishing up college. I'm back home in my hometown. My dad and I started up this business, and, and we've got this year-long period of waiting, anxiously excited, you know, get, get ready to start our new lives together. We were so excited for that. It felt, a year felt like an eternity, but we were homesick. We were anxious for what was to come. And in the same way, you and I ought to be anxious. There ought to be a hunger. There ought to be a desire for more of Christ. You and I ought to be hungry for what is to come. So we fast. We fast to satisfy a perceived need. We fast also to discern what controls us. You want to know why do we fast? We fast to discern what controls us. One author who has written a lot on the spiritual disciplines, he says this, if pride controls us, it will be revealed almost immediately in fasting. Anger, bitterness, jealousy, strife, fear, if they are within us, they will surface during fasting. At first, we will rationalize our anger is due to our hunger. And then we will know that we are angry because the spirit of anger is within us. We can rejoice in this knowledge because we know that healing is available through the power of Christ. See, in fasting, God reveals what needs to be removed in our hearts. Fasting teaches us what we truly crave and what needs to be replaced with Christ. If you want to know what has taken priority in your life over Christ, then fast. I dare you. Because he is going to reveal what you love most. So fasting is the way that we satisfy our hunger. Number two, fasting helps us discern what controls us. Then number three, we fast to rid ourselves of what controls us. So it helps us to discern what controls us, but then also fasting helps us rid ourselves of what controls us. Once we've identified what controls our hearts, then we fast to rid ourselves of that idolatry. We fast because fasting starves out our attachment to the things of this world. I don't know about you, but I love, I love working on my yard. There's nothing that I love more than to look out on this thick, green, lush, yard. It's like the only thing in my life, whereas I mow, I can look back and go, man, I'm doing something. And so when I think about this yard, when I know that spring is coming, winter's gone, spring is coming, you know what I do? I get out there and I hit it with uh, fertilizer. Why? To kill all the weeds so that the new grass can come up, it can grow, it can thrive. In the same way, the idols that are gripping your heart are like weeds that are choking out the growth. They're weeds that are literally choking out the growth. And so when you fast, what it does is it reveals those weeds. And then at the same time, it starves them. It starves them so that you're no longer captivated by them. You're no longer controlled by them. But then you finally experience the freedom that you've longed for, that you've hoped for, that you've wished for, and maybe that you've even been praying for. Fasting is the vehicle where God uses to satisfy your hunger for more of him. So the question that leads us to is then how? 
How do we do this? How do you and I engage in this task of fasting? What does that look like? What does it mean? Well, look back at Matthew 6, verse 16. Jesus says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So here's how you do it. You ready? Here's your practical application. Here's how you do it. You follow this formula. You determine exactly what it is, right, that you love more than Christ, and you replace it with that of Christ. So follow this formula. I'm trading X for Y for blank period of time. I'm going to trade X, the thing that I love more than Christ, for Y, which is Christ. I know we're doing math. It's early for math. I know. For Y, which is Christ, for a blank period of time. And so during that time, here's what you'll do. You're going to replace that thing with Christ. So let's just say, okay, uh, it, maybe it's food for you. Maybe you truly do uh, get your comfort from food um, or from, from something in, in that category. Well, here's what you're going to do. You're going to replace that with Christ. So let's say maybe it's a lunch. Okay, I'm going to take a lunch and, and I'm going to fast this lunch because I want more of Christ. I'm not going to, when I'm stressed out, I, I run to food for my comfort. I'm, I'm going to set that aside. And so that moment when you're looking for comfort in food, here's what you do. You set it aside. You pick up a Bible. You pick up a devotional. You sit down and you pray. Maybe you pick up a journal and you write. You spend that time with God. Maybe it's that you run to the news or some other media outlet. When you're tempted to go find security or control or whatever that might look like from the television, when you pick up that remote, it ought to signal and say, nope, I'm going to set this aside. This is where I'm finding my, my, my control, my comfort. And you know what? I'm going to pick up a Bible. I'm going to sit down and pray. I'm going to grab a journal. I'm going to write. I'm going to spend this time with the one who I love most, where true security, where true comfort, where true approval is found. Maybe it's, it's a shopping spree. Maybe you find your comfort or your satisfaction by, you know, it's a, oh man, it's a long, stressful day. I'm going to go shopping. Call up the your friends, hey, meet me at the mall, we're going shopping. Well, maybe it's to say, you know what, I'm going to set this aside for a period of generosity. And instead of using that money there, I'm going to use that money and give to the church. I'm going to give to somebody in need. I'm going to use my money elsewhere. I'm going to find true security. I'm going to find true approval in Christ and in Him alone. You with me? All right, good. I know we were doing math early, so I know it's tough. Now, Last week, I gave you the secret sauce of prayer. Anybody remember? Anybody remember the secret sauce of prayer? Nobody remembers the secret sauce of prayer. I, get, I told you it was the secret sauce so that you'd remember it. All right, I got to work on my job here. I'm not, I'm, I'm failing. The secret sauce of prayer, remember this. The secret sauce of prayer is remembering that the God of the universe sees you, he knows you, and he loves you far beyond any measure that you could ever imagine. And he knows exactly what you need far before you even know that you need it. And so that frees you up, right? Just, just to go and spend time with him. You don't have to go to him just constantly in need of this or that because he's already going to take care of that need because he knows that you need it, right? 
right? It frees you up to just enjoy Him and have a relationship with Him. Now, here's the secret sauce of fasting. When you fast, notice I'm saying when you fast, as a general expectation, you're going to get a challenge this week that you're fasting this week, just like we talked about in prayer. And then next week, I'm going to ask you how it goes, so you got to be ready for accountability. So when you fast, here's the secret sauce. Do it like you aren't. Do it like you aren't. When you fast, do it like you aren't. Fasting is done best, Christ says, when nobody else knows but you and Him. By keeping it between you and Him, number one, it fosters a relationship with Him. It helps foster that relationship with Him. Number two, it keeps you, it keeps you from being self-righteous. Listen, deep in every single one of us is this temptation, right, to, to lord that over people, right? You can imagine being at work and somebody invites you on Wednesday to go eat lunch with you or lunch with them, and, and you're like, you know, uh, today I'm, I'm fasting, right? We do things like that in a way to simply just say, hey, you know what? I'm just a little bit more religious than you. I just love Christ more than you right? I'm the only one. No, we all do that. There's a temptation. That's why Jesus says this here in Matthew uh, chapter 6. Remember, we're talking about generosity. He says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Why? Because there's a temptation in all of us to brag about it. And so Jesus says, hey, simply just let it be between you and me. Let it be between you and me. That doesn't mean that you, you know, you don't call up a friend and say, hey, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to start this I've never done this in my life, and I, I want to start fasting because truly I, I do. I want more of Christ in my life. I want to pursue holiness in a different and greater way. Accountability is a great thing. It's a good thing. But just beware of our humanity and our temptation, right, to let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, and your right hand to let your left hand know what you're doing. The vehicle to satisfy your hunger, that thing that you long for more than anything else, is fasting. And so that's my challenge. This week, I want you to carve out time to fast. I don't know what that is. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit work that out in your life. Maybe it's food. Maybe it is social media. Maybe it's TV. Maybe it's monetary. There are a multitude of different things in your life that are keeping you away from a closer relationship with Jesus. I don't know what that is, but I guarantee you, if you're awake right now, the Holy Spirit, if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit is igniting in your heart something that's saying, yep, that's got to go. Something in your heart is going, man, I, gosh, I know what it is. And so this week, I'm going to give you a challenge here in just a little bit. This week, I want you to fast from that object. I want you to lay it before Christ and say, man, I love this thing. But Jesus, I love you more, and I need you more than anything else. Because you know why? For us to be a healthy church means that we have to have healthy disciples. And you're not a healthy disciple if you love something more than Christ. And I would even go so far as to say, if fasting is not a part of your walk with Christ... Number one, you're missing out. Number two, you're not healthy. Number three, our church is not healthy. And if you're not healthy and our church is not healthy, I'm held accountable for it. So you're going to (laughs) fast. 
Y'all with me? You're going to fast. I'm going to fast. We're going to do this together, and we're going to do it as a church, as, as, as I'll talk about here as, as we close the service, okay? So again, fasting is the vehicle by which you and I find ourselves satisfied in Christ and His uh, goodness and grace to us, okay? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you for the challenge that you give us from week to week. I don't know about the rest of the folks in the room, but I tell you what, I have been so challenged by this, and I know that there's a need for it, not just in my own life, but in the lives of the people who are here in this room. And and I know, God, that no one is in this room by accident or mistake. You have drawn them here for this purpose, to hear this word, because it's your word, not my word, it's your word. And Jesus, you expect that we fast. God, I pray that we would be a church who longs for more of you, who desires to be satisfied in you and you alone. Father, your word says, Jesus specifically says, that man cannot live on bread alone, but on every word of the word of God. God, I pray that we would be a church that is so hungry for you, that we would stop at nothing. We would be like Augustine who who says that our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. God, I pray that our hearts will be hungry until we find our satisfaction in you. And so in the quiet of this room, here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask the Lord, just say, God, what is it that's keeping me from a relationship with you? What's that one thing that's gripping my heart, that's controlling my heart, Maybe there's an addiction. Maybe it's success. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's kids or grandkids or a spouse. Maybe it's happiness. Maybe it's some form of comfort that comes from a vacation or a standard of living. And then ask God, just say, God, I I want you to rid me of that. That's a dangerous prayer. This week, God, I want you to call me to sacrifice that idol on the altar of your grace. And then I want you to say, God, and I want you to meet me in that sacrifice. God, would you meet me in that sacrifice as I lay this idol down, as I lay whatever this is that you've revealed to me this morning, as I, as I lay that down, would you meet me in that sacrifice? Will you satisfy me like only you can do? And then the final thing that I want you to pray is I simply just want you to say, God, I trust you. I trust you to meet me where I am and to satisfy my longing heart. Now, for anybody else in the room who's like, oh, this is nonsense, here's my prayer. Here's your, I, hope this, I hope you pray this with me. 
God, I, I don't know about all this. I'm perfectly content with my life. I love my life. I love all of the things in my life. And, and honestly, I, I'm not sure that I need you. Here's my prayer for you. My prayer is that God would just rob you of that, that, of that false belief. That he would rid your heart and your mind of that. I pray that he would stop at nothing to rid you of that. To show you this morning that your deepest need is not money, it's not fame, it's not success, it's not approval, it's not a standard of living, it's none of those things, but it's Christ. I pray that he reveals that to you this morning. And maybe you're feeling convicted by that. And I just pray, my prayer again is that you would be willing to just submit your life over to him and find him to be enough. I promise you'll never look back. So Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and grace. We thank you that because of Christ, Lord, we can find our satisfaction in you. And we don't need all these other things. What we need most is you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If you would like more information, please visit fbbelton.org or call our church office at 254-939-0705. We are located at 506 North Main Street. We hope to see you soon.